Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Elk Shape Podcast. I'm Dan Staten. This is your blue collar, do-it-yourself, self-guided, public land, elk hunting learning curve resource where we leverage hunting to create more personal development. Our goal is to educate and encourage our listeners to become the best possible version of themselves through hard work, delayed gratification, and being accountable to themselves. Welcome y'all to the Elk Shape Podcast. Hey, Dan the Fitness Man here. Just want to say thank you for tuning in. I appreciate your support. Downloads have been good this year. That means you guys are digging what we're doing. We're bringing on the average Joes, the people you ain't heard of, non-insta-famous, awesome public land hunters that are getting after it and they have something to teach us, whether they're new to hunting or in the middle of the learning curve or they're well past it. They're dropping knowledge. They're inspiring, encouraging us, and they're working hard towards their goals. That's what we're all about. Don't have a lot of business here today. Let's get right into what we're going to offer. So Elk Shape Camps, we have six and we're gonna offer a new discount to any of the camps. It's $150 off any camp if you are a first responder. That is your active military only, firefighter, police, something along those lines. And I'm gonna ask you for proof once you buy your ticket, be prepared for that. So if you, you did four years, 20 years ago in the service, I appreciate it, thank you. But that's not, this is for those active folks. The discount code is lowercase, one word, first responder, 150 bucks off camp. That's my way of saying thanks. I once was a firefighter and I just kind of understand a little bit better now what those guys do. So if you're in law enforcement or you're a firefighter or active military, we got you. We want to get you 150 bucks off our camp and we want to get you to camp. We want to get these things sold out so I can start planning the finer details, locking up the partners for the awesome prizes and giveaways at camps, get the shirts ordered, and we already have the subject matter experts lined out. Every camp's 
locked and loaded, ready to rock. First one is in January, and that one only has six spots left at the time of this recording. So get into the Spokane camp. That one's probably one of our most stacked camps with Joel Turner and Ryan Lampers and Josh Jones, Jeff Bynum, myself. We're going to crush that camp. Then we go right into February. We have one in Redmond, Oregon, and we then we go right into Texas. Uh, we have two in Texas. They're back-to-back end of February, beginning of March, and then we roll right into April where we're going to Wisconsin. Finally, yes, lacrosse, Wisconsin. I can't wait to get to Wisco, and then we go to Colorado, and then we end in Vancouver, Washington. All those details are on elkshape.com. Uh, registration is through Eventbrite. Links are there. Get yourself locked and loaded. This is literally the most value for you can't learn all this stuff on the computer. you got to be in person for some of it, and that's what we're going to do. And I can ensure you, you will have your socks knocked off, and you will have a roadmap to success. And you will speed up the learning curve, or you will experience more consistent success and know what you're doing in the mountains. And you'll be able to leverage all the stuff from the camp on the fitness and the personal development side to make life better for yourself and your family. All right, let's get to today's show. We're bringing on this dude who's pretty new to hunting, but he's very aggressive as far as getting after it. And we go through kind of his season and his learning curve, what he's learned. He went all in on archery. His name's Steve. He's out of California. He does cuss like a sailor, but I edited almost all those swear words out. Sorry, Steve. Uh, and it's good. Just really cool guy. I really like him. He's just die hard, and I like his level of commitment. He's dropped some pretty good knowledge bombs in here as well. And we talk about his finance too, because he's really got it figured out for a guy being in his late 20s. Hard-working blue-collar pipe welder from California who loves hunting and loves dropping knowledge. This is a great episode. This is episode 101. If you want to give us a five-star review, great. But right now, I want you all to get signed up for Elk Shape Camps. And in 2021, we're going to stay east of the Mississippi. So if you live east of the Mississippi, I got three camps picked out. I want to pick out three more. Hit me up on social at Elk Shape or my email elkshape at gmail.com and let me know why we should come to your town without further ado this is steve and this is the elk shape podcast hey guys welcome to elk shape podcast me dan the fitness man and today we're kind of doing a live interview homeboy is uh in the field just got done uh crushing a montana muley and uh his name's steve evans out of california he's 29 he's a pipe welder uh he cusses like a sailor and he kills a lot of stuff and he's hardcore hunter not married that's all i know what's up man how are you i'm good dude i'm good how are you i'm good was that all accurate for the most part yeah you nailed it cool so dude you are a pipe welder but really you're a hardcore hunter not married no strings attached how many days a year do you hunt Oh man, yeah, I've been getting after it. Um, well, if, if you count duck hunting, I I duck hunt a lot also. Um, so last year was my first year big game hunting. I I probably only hunted um, like maybe twenty days for big game last year. Um, but this year I'm pushing fifty days for big game, and I'm sure I'll do another fifty um, come duck season. Yeah, I normally yeah I probably hunt about fifty days during duck season. Do you have a girlfriend? No, not right now. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I'm I'm living it up while I can. You better. So pipe welding, man, how did you get into that? I actually welded in high school, um, and I enjoyed it. And I went and did a welding competition, and at a at a college, 
I mean, it's a big college, but they have also a welding trade program. And uh, so they were talking about, you know, pipe welding and the income and that kind of stuff. And I was like, well, I like welding. So I went to that college for a year and um, right out of high school and got hired on with the local utility in California. And I've been pipe welding almost 10 years now. Roger that. Good for you. So how come it took you so long to get to the big game party? Well, I mean, I guess it kind of didn't. So my dad uh, took us big game hunting when we were younger, right? Like I've, I killed a bear over dogs, which was badass. Um, and I've killed a couple of deer also, all when I was younger, a junior, right? And then as I got older, I just started duck hunting. I mean, just nonstop. And then I also got, you know, a job. And so I felt like I really only had like a few months to focus on hunting. So I've just put it towards ducks, right? Yes. And uh, so then I guess last year I was uh, talking to a buddy that's a welder also. And I was just like, man, I need a challenging hobby. Like, I don't know. Life is just easy. So like, I don't know. You just need a challenge. Right. And he's like, he's like, dude, you should try archery hunting. He's like, I think you'd like it. So that's what I did. Um, I bought a bow last year and we came up here to Montana archery elk hunting. That was my first big game hunt. Yes. And, uh, yeah. And we packed in seven miles, did the whole, you know, base camp, everything, and woke up the first morning covered in bugles. Um, it was awesome. And, uh, none of us killed an elk in seven days and we were covered in them. So I learned a lot that it's not that damn easy. Yeah, it's not, but it's awesome. So let's back up. Like, how do you go from never picking up a bow to being proficient and getting out there? Obviously, the technology is awesome, but you need some mentorship or you're going to learn some really bad habits. Uh, what did you do to kind of your process? Oh, uh, so my buddy that told me to get into bow hunting, he pretty much told me to follow uh, John Dudley on YouTube. Okay. So that's exactly what I did. I went to, um, I actually snagged my brother's bow, it's like a 10-year-old bow. I shot it for two months to make sure that I liked it, the archery in general, right? Yeah. Um, and then uh, then I just went all in. I bought a Redworks. Um, I just pretty much just binged watched all of John Dudley's YouTube videos. You know, just, I mean, he goes from start to finish. That's how I started. Like, I mean, I just basically shot archery for months until the elk hunt came. I didn't just buy a bow and go elk hunting. I did all the archery. I built my own arrows. I bought all these to build my own arrows. Um, I don't know. I just geek out on that kind of stuff. So it was right up my alley. Yeah. all It kind of takes that all or in personality to do it right, to do it justice. And dude, I don't know anyone better than John Dudley on technical. So that's great. Did you buy a Carter slash John Dudley release? Uh, yeah, of course I did. <laughs> yeah. You bought the knock yeah. to it? I actually... Or you got the silverback? I started with the silverback. That's good. Right? That's um, a good thing. Yeah. yeah. That's well, a, is that a hinge or is that tension? Tension. Okay. Yeah. I should say I started with a finger release, right? Then I went like a trigger release. Yep. Then I went to a um, like a cheap thumb release. And then I went to the silverback. Um, I shot that for a while. And then I went to just a Carter style thumb release. Um, the silverback was cool. It was cool for getting like the shot process dialed in, you know, and learning the back tension. But I just hate how it's got a safety, 
like three times I went to um, not shoot an arrow and cut an arrow loose because I forgot to hold the safety again. Um, so I wasn't digging that. So I went to a thumb style and I just shoot it um, like a back tension. You know, I just wrap my thumb around it and just pull through. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so first trip, first hunt, Montana. Uh, what? Be, be vague, please. But what part of Montana did you go to? Oh, Helena. Okay. And you woke up seven miles. Like, how did you know to go there? Like, who did you go with? Who was your crew? Okay, so it's uh, two buddies, one from work that I'm really close with. We work together like, every day. And then, and then his buddy, who I'd never met. So I basically, everything was in their hands, dude. They did all the e-scouting. They've also never archery elk hunted. <laughs> but they they Just, but they big game hunted you know a, a fair amount so, i love it so three california noobs are all you california guys yes all of us and just putting your california plates in montana i'm sure they love that in helena yeah you know we didn't have that much problem we even saw guys at the trailhead they were all cool nice so one of them said he was going to bury us up there but i mean he was cool no doubt <laughs> no doubt uh, i think i think your state is the easiest state to give crap to other guys that you know at the trailhead but we're all we're all bow hunting brothers for the most part and it's cool like so you you guys roll in and what's the expectations because uh this is like elk shape material right here like are you guys communicating like we're gonna do a team we're gonna do one caller two shooters two callers one shooter each guy go his own direction how did that work out um yeah we planned on having like a caller and a shooter that kind of stuff but that pretty much all went as soon as we started moving in on any bugles. Um, you guys I mean, started wolf packing elk? Basically. <laughs> yeah. Basically, dude. Um, I mean, we tried, you know, blind calling them. The, basically, it was a seven-day hunt, and like every other day we would hear, hear a bugle. So we'd hear a bugle, and we would basically wolf pack it. And like I said, none of us killed it. And the days where we weren't hearing bugles, we would always split up and just try to glass them up or um we would just pretty much do blind stands in the dark timber patches where whatever wasn't burned right and did anybody come to full draw get a shot get like a super close encounter yeah oh yeah um we were all almost every day one of us was within 100 yards of a bull mm -hmm. um my one buddy that actually ended up killing an elk this year um he got came to full draw on a like a smaller i don't know five by five i don't know exactly how big it was um but couldn't get a shot because the brush my other buddy ended up missing a cow at about 50 yards he thought she was 40 he didn't have time to range her and i don't know you're just not used to shooting at something that big i think they're closer than they are um and i didn't cut an arrow loose last year so yeah so in those seven days how many miles do you think you guys covered a day and and how was your fitness? And, and how, looking back, what did you do well and what could you have done better? Um, I think I figured it out. I mean, I think we did close to 80 or 90 miles. It was a lot. We were, we were covering a lot of country. Um, fitness was, I mean, pretty good. It's when you don't have any weight on your back, I mean, you can go. Like, you just keep hiking, you know. Um, we were all in pretty decent shape. I don't think any of us were really just worn out after that. Um, like I said, if you don't have any weight on your back, you're kind of just hiking around. It's not a, so you guys real didn't have like much weight on your back. Like what did you have in your backpack? Just like your food and kill kit. Yes. Okay. So of course going into the camp, you know, we, we all have 60 pounds on our backs, um, tents, all that seven days worth of food. 
Um, so, but then once you get camp set up, then it's just kill kit, food for the day and water for the day. That's pretty much it. So you're talking like, you know, maybe 20 pounds on your back with the weight of the pack. Oh, that's great. Wow. So that was your first exposure. I mean, when you hear a bugle for the first time, it's just like unreal. It's a pretty much instant addiction. Where did you go from there? Yeah, dude, it was the first bugle was awesome. And I mean, we were actually covered in bugles, uh, elk all over the place. We chased them all over hell the first day. Um, it was awesome. So we didn't end up killing any elk. So I pretty much said that I'm going to do this every year for the rest of my life, you know, archery elk. Uh huh. Um, and then from, so we actually did combo tags, right? Elk and deer tags. And in Montana, you can hunt mule deer in the rut. So my next hunt was, the mule deer rut hunt in Montana. And, um, I shot my first buck in the first three hours of the first day. Um, did you so, uh, go rifle or did you use a bow? Oh no, I went rifle, dude. I'm, I'm not next level like that. That's I've no shame. No shame in your game, man. You still got to get pretty close on those things and they can pick you off from ever. So I assume you went to Eastern Montana. No, same unit. Oh my gosh. Yeah, really? It was a combo tag, same, same unit. Yeah. Cool. That's where I'm at right now. Yeah, same exact unit as last year. Oh, right on. So you're starting to get to know that country pretty well. Yeah, yeah. And I've I've been cruising. I've been here for ten days, so I've been hunting all kinds of new country, learning just uh, just like their habitats, where they hang out. You know, the mule deer. I haven't even went up high enough for the elk. No um, doubt. I, well, it's yeah. been super cold, man. Like when I got back from the Dakotas. We got crushed with just single-digit temps and just hunting in the snow. It was brutal. I had a, I only brought a 20-degree bag, so I put a 20-degree bag inside another 20. Now, I am obviously a skinny, cold guy. That's me. But uh-huh. it was tough to stay warm. We had a stove in my teepee. When that would go out, I'd turn my little buddy heater on. It was cold. It was really cold. And you had to stay, like, glassing. You had to get out of the wind or you were screwed. What's the temps been like for you? Because you're in the field right now. Yeah, was was that your recent mule deer hunt that you killed the the buck archery? Yeah, yeah, that that looked cold. <laughs> um, here, let's see. So um, the first four days I camped right, but on the third morning was like, dude, it had to have been, it had to have been in the single digits with a twenty mile an hour wind Ooh. and snow, and it it ran me off the mountain, dude. Like I. I made it through that night. I slept in, I slept in my boots and all of my clothes. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Boots in, is hardcore. It, yeah. I slept in my boots, all my clothes in my tent, um, made it through the night. But then, I mean, within the first hour of glassing, like you said, I could not even glass the windy side. Like it, it froze me in two seconds. So I was just glassing the, like on the, on the side of the ridge where I was out of the wind. And within, I don't know, an hour and a half, my feet just felt like bricks and, uh, and my hands were frozen. So, and I wasn't seeing anything because I'm not going to see it on the wind blown slopes of the mountains, you know, cause that's what I'm looking at. If I'm hiding from the wind, I'm looking at what the wind's blowing into. Yep. Um, so I was like, I didn't see any deer that day. That's the only day I haven't seen any deer since I've been here. And I, I bailed off the mountain, dude. I was, I was cold to the bone. So I left my camp up there because um, I knew I was coming back. I checked the weather. There was only two nights of real cold, and then then it warmed up. So I got a hotel that night, and then uh, then I packed back in the next day. 
and stayed up there two more days. Then I got bored out of my mind because it was dark at 5.30. So I just packed up my camp and I came into town and I got a hotel and I just figured I'd drive an hour and hike an hour, you know, every morning. Yeah. So that, that was day five that I bailed out of there. And since then I've been hunting out of a hotel. Nice. Good call. Hot tub, sauna. Yeah, no, just a hot shower, but yeah. good enough for me. Yeah, I was, uh, we went from a, fr- we left Spokane, um, we left like at three in the morning. So I, I got up at two, met my buddies, we left at 3 a.m. And we did that on purpose. We wanted to have, you know, it was a 12 plus hour drive. We wanted to have enough time to, to really get an evening glass session and we'd never been there before and then maybe have enough light to set camp up. But that the main priority was to get a glass session in and then we hunted and we left the following um, Friday night. And again, I didn't want to, we packed our entire camp up and my buddy hadn't killed yet. And I'm like, dude, this is an any deer tag. You are killing a doe, whatever the good Lord puts in front of you tonight. And he shot a doe at last, last light. So we just got that thing quartered out and our camp was loaded and we just took off, gosh, whatever it gets dark at five. And we just drove straight 12 hours to Spokane trading trading shifts and sleeping like every three or four hours. That's the nice thing with guys, but didn't get a shower for seven days. And I've gone longer, way longer, but man, it is a shower is a game changer, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, dude. I mean, that was, that was the first thing I did when I got off the mountain. I don't know. It was like noon. I was taking a shower. I was, I was frozen. Mm -hmm. So I imagine you're hunting mainly BLM type country and state chunks. Yeah. Yeah. It's all, uh, basically it's just a hell in a national forest. So, but I mean, it's all public land. Yeah. It's a good, and is there any like uh, block management that you're hitting up or just mainly public land? No, it's all public land. I haven't done any of the block management stuff. That's great. Well, I know you've hunted a lot of places now that you're, you're all in. Take us through some of your most recent adventures uh, before the deer season this year. Like, did you hunt your home state uh, for blacktails and what, what bears? You guys got a shitload. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I did. I actually put in a lot of time in California this year. I hunted, uh, archery for, uh, 14 days. I think it like a all solo pack in, um, you know, five miles or whatever. I did like a five day trip, a five day trip and a four day trip. I found some good bucks and I got 10 feet from one buck. He actually moved beds during my stock. And, uh, I came over a rock And I was supposed to shoot him in his bed 30 yards away. And he actually moved directly below me. So I came over this rock and he jumped out at my feet and uh, scared the shit out of me. So 14 days archery, California, uh, no deer. I'm actually hunting mule deer in California. The blacktails are more like um, on the coastal side, I think. And then the mule deer are more towards Nevada. I'm hunting more towards Nevada. So that was that. Then I left. So I didn't kill anything during archery. From there was uh, the elk hunt in Montana. Again, same same two dudes, um, same spot, same everything, except, uh, I don't know. I mean, we just knew the country a little bit better. And on day three, I watched my buddy stalk and arrow a bull from 2,000 yards. I was 2,000 yards away, watched it all through my binos. He arrows a bull, makes a marginal shot, so... Um, while him and my other buddy are looking for his bull, a bull rips a bugle like a hundred yards below me. I'm watching them because I know the last spot that the bull went over the ridge line. you know, in case they lose blood, I'll just put them in that spot. 
So this bull rips a bugle right below me. I run up, grab my bow, and I run the ridge line like 200 yards. And then I drop down into this opening. And uh, as soon as I get into the opening, I can see the bull. And he's still cruising. Like, it's all burnt timber. Mm-hmm. And he's still way ahead of me. And I'm like, I'm not catching up to that dude. I didn't challenge bugle up. None of that, dude. I panicked, right? So I chase after this bull, drop down into an opening. I see him going through the burnt timber and I'm like, there's no way I'm catching that bull. And about the time I look, uh, just away from the bull, this cow is feeding out of the timber 30 yards in front of me. And, uh, I've already been hunting for 14 days. I was ready to draw some blood. So, and I haven't killed an animal, a big game animal with my bow. So, uh, I stuck that cow at 30 yards, both lungs. And, uh, she only went about, I don't know, 50 feet. She was dead in 10 seconds. Dude, so, so that is awesome. I don't. I mean, congratulations. And yeah, people listening, if you haven't killed an elk and you got an either sex tag, get one on the ground. Get reps. So, what was it like, man? Like walking up to your first elk, even a cow. They're they're huge. Oh, dude, it was it was surreal. Well, I mean, for one, my buddy shot a bull an hour earlier. When I find my cow, he basically finds his bull at the same time. So we have two elk down, damn near two miles apart right and uh at the same time but i mean just walking up on that cow like it was yeah it was surreal it was it was freaking cool dude i'm definitely addicted how did you guys Uh, manage getting two elk out then so my my two buddies were looking for the one dude that actually shot the bull they were looking for that elk i kill the cow i call them up i'm like dude i just killed a cow so the one buddy that was helping him, look, like I said, it was a marginal shot. So his hopes weren't high. Right. So the buddy that was, that did not shoot the bull, he's like, well, I'm going to head your way. Cause I mean, you got a guaranteed elk on the ground and we have some work to do. And it was a hike for him. Right. I mean, straight, he, he came straight over. So straight down a Canyon, straight up a Canyon. It took him three hours to get to me. Oh By my time, gosh. Yeah. I mean, it was brutal, dude. So by the time he gets to me, I basically have the whole cow process all quartered up and everything. And we go to load her up and he's like, we're doing it in one trip. I was like, yeah, <laughs> we are. He's like, yeah, we are. So we each put half a cow on our back and, uh, we took her, it was only like a mile and a half. We took her to camp and then I made trips from there. Yeah. Back to the truck. So you just kind of did what, probably four trips to the truck? Yeah. So actually, so the two of us took her back to camp. That night, I did a trip out. I did uh, hind quarter and half of my camp. I came back in in the next morning, did another hind quarter and the rest of my camp. Then actually that evening, my buddy that killed the bull, he killed it closer to another trailhead, right? So when he finished processing it, he came out with a third quarter of my elk right down dude we killed these elk way in there and way far apart right so he had to come out and grab his camp and and then he grabbed one of my quarters one of the front shoulders and all the back straps and stuff right so he actually packed that out for me then our other buddy stayed in there hunting for two more days and he was supposed to bring the last quarter out with camp with his camp and we were actually talking on the very last day and he had chased a bunch of elk 
way down low below camp. And, uh, so I told him to just keep hunting and that I would go in and grab his camp and the third quarter. Yeah. Hero. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he paid me back a lot. So, so I go in to get his camp and it's, it's seven miles in. So they're 14 mile round trips. I can do them. I was doing them in two hours, two hours in, two hours out. And, um, so I go in to grab his camp and my third quarter and I go in seven miles to find that a bear has torn the bottom out of my game bag and took all of my meat. No, you guys yeah. are in grizz country at all? No, just black bears. Son of a, that's, that's uh, not yeah, cool. It was, no, dude, it was devastating. So I pretty much just went in and there wasn't a scrap of meat. I was looking. So I just pretty much went in and grabbed his camp and came back out and lost uh, a quarter of my elk. So I come out with his camp. He comes out down the other trailhead. I drive around, pick him up. So now all three of us are back together. The next morning, all three of us go in and pack out my buddy's bull, which was six miles in from the other trailhead and 2,600 feet elevation difference. Yeah, that's no joke. Yeah, we were we were getting after it. Yeah, you guys probably were. So two of the three, first elk. And what about your last buddy who didn't get one? Like, uh, did he ever get an opportunity? So he is flying in tomorrow, and I'm hunting with him for another six days to punch his mule deer tag and hopefully his elk tag rifle. Right on, man. So you are, you're up there. You're committed. You probably drove a quite a drove up because you have so much gear and stuff, right? Yeah. Well, I started my. I've actually took a month off of work, so I started this hunting trip in Utah. I killed, which all I'm all by myself driving and all that. So I, I killed a buck in Utah on the sixth day. I drove from there to Wyoming, and killed a buck on opening day in Wyoming. pretty good buck 27 inches wide four by four um so i killed that buck on november 1st in wyoming and then then i've been up here pretty much ever since i went back and dropped him off at a taxidermist and hung out with the dudes that i met in utah for a few days but yeah i've been i've just been driving around killing bucks and about four or five hours ago you just tagged out in montana right Yes. Yeah. That's my fourth mule deer. Oh, and I killed a, I killed a monster buck in California. Um, just after I killed the cow elk in Montana. So I killed four. This is my fourth mule deer buck. I punched all my muley tags. Congrats, man. That's so you're going to be eating a lot of mule deer this year, especially that's with that. Good. That's all I eat. That's I don't, great. I don't buy meat. Yep. Don't buy meat. Um, that's a lot of, you know, planning logistics, probably have a go hunt membership i would assume yeah oh yeah that's how i figured everything out all the tags and the dates of the tags um and i have on x so i figured i mean i had i had a lot of stuff a lot of planning went into it yeah when do you think you started really digging in on your plans for 2019 because honestly it's a pretty sick season four muleys and a cow and you're still going to go help your buddy hunt and you took a month off um you we're going to talk about finances because i know that's something you're one of your strengths but when did you start planning man oh as soon as soon as i killed that buck last year as soon as i saw those mule deer rutting um i was like oh i'm doing more of this so i mean pretty much as soon as i got back from montana last year as soon as i got back from the from the mule deer hunt um i was just on go hunt basically 
figuring out all this. This are all second choice tags because I wanted all my points. Um, so um, I was just figuring out what had the best second choice draw odds and then dates that aligned pretty much. Uh, sorry, Utah was not Utah. I bought a CWMU tag in oh. Utah. Yeah, everything else was general deer tags. How hard was it to find that tag in Utah? It, they were actually selling it on Go Hunt. Oh, right on, right on. So yeah. you just got it off there. They brokeaged it, and there, there you go. And then you didn't only got one day in Wyoming hunting, but how was it? Was it everything? I mean, obviously you tagged out, but like the little bit of time you were there, did you really dig where you were and, and how it went down? Uh, dude, not, not initially. I'm not going to lie. I was like, um, so I, I initially just ran into a shitload of hunters. Uh, well, full disclosure, I thought the season opened on Saturday, which would be November 2nd. Right. So I get there on November 1st, which is a Friday and I'm just cruising, checking these areas out. I'm basically pre-scouting for Saturday, my opening day. Right. Yep. And I, I drive by these locals and they're like, did you kill anything? And I was like, no, I'm not hunting till tomorrow. I don't even have my rifle in my truck. Right. And they're like, oh, season open for us today. I was like, what? So I pull it up and yeah, it opens on the first on a Friday. So I go back to the hotel, get my rifle. Then I go to scout this other, I'm just scouting, dude. I'm not hunting. Like, um, I'm cruising all these, uh, BLM roads, just trying to find deer sign, you know? And, uh, so I see a bunch of does out in this ag field while I'm driving around. So I target the BLM land way above them. And, uh, there was just a fresh snow, fresh layer of snow. There's probably like six inches of snow on the ground. So I'm driving this road. Um, and it's just like clay cliffs, dude. Like it, like I, I wasn't digging it. I was like, there's no deer in here. Right. Uh, well there is. So I'm driving all these roads and I'd see like one set of deer tracks and one set of deer tracks. So I'm, I'm pretty, I'm a few miles in on this, just a BLM road. And I cut like six sets of deer tracks going down in this Canyon. And I was like, all right, well, let me see why there's more deer here than anywhere else. So I just parked the truck way up on top and I start, uh, just hiking down this ridgeline. Um, and I'm just hiking and glassing trying to see why deer are in this area versus everywhere else that I've been driving. Right. So it had deep valleys in the canyons that, that were full of sage and stuff. So I'm like, okay, they're probably feeding in here. So I get about 500 yards down this ridgeline and I'm just glassing. I'm just looking for deer sign tracks in the snow, um, like beds, that kind of shit. And, uh, and I glass this doe up. I see her ears. Uh, she's 400 yards away. I can only see her ears. And, uh, once she moves and I know it's a deer for sure, I'm like, okay, sweet. So there are deer in here. And I look three feet to the right and I see this monster set of horns sticking up over a sagebrush patch. And, uh, so I just had to get around on this little knoll and I had a good shot at embedded. He's bedded like perpendicular facing straight away from me. Um, so I basically have a spinal shot, uh -oh. you know? Yep. Yeah. And, uh, so I figured, you know, if I hit high or low, I'm in the lungs. And if I hit left or right, I'm in the spine. Um, so I just put it right in his backbone from the back. And, uh, I mean, it was, it was a fatal shot for sure, but he still went to stand up and I, I hit him one more time. So that was my whole Wyoming hunt, but I learned a lot about the area, like just 
the deer. I mean, I wasn't digging all the road hunters, but there I am road hunting, but I was like road scouting. I didn't want to hunt from there. Yeah. Yeah. Getting the lay of the land. I mean, when we were in Dakota, we put 550 miles on in two days and we were literally, I wanted to hunt, but I needed to figure it out, sort it out and then hunt. And that's kind of what you got to do. It's, it's amazing, but it's, it's really not that amazing how many guys really just hunt from a truck. And yeah, I mean, just, it, it was just dudes on uh, like Polaris Rangers. Like, I mean, legit road hunting. They were just smashing the roads over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, huh. that's pretty common. And it's I see it everywhere I've ever been, especially if I'm archery hunting during a rifle or, or close to a rifle season. It just is what it is. Not that all rifle hunters are road hunters. There's some badass rifle hunters for sure. Yeah, just getting away from roads. It's crazy how that's part of the formula. Let's talk about the mule deer rut for a second. Uh, when we were hunting... Like November 1st, 2nd, 3rd, it was just really cold. The bucks were hanging close to does, but they were still kind of bachelored up. And then I think like on the 4th, it was like a light switch. I remember in the same day, we all came back to the camp that night and uh, my buddy Tim had seen two bucks actually throwing down. Uh, I saw a couple of bucks, different bucks chasing does and then that evening, I saw a buck basically pull up on these does like he was the herd bull. Like he had like 10 does and he just rolls up. And then he was, they actually were coming my way. And he sees another buck out the corner of his eye, three or 400 yards away. And he literally just left the does and just got all bristled up and came running in on that other buck. That all happened in a day. What have you seen as far as the mule deer rut in that general area where you've been since you've been there every day? It definitely is turning on now and it was not on previously so the very first morning like when i woke up got out of my tent got to a glassing spot i found 60 does um and seven bucks and just and all the bucks they were with the does and they were just they were just little tiny bucks like little fork and horns little three points and they were just like basically they were just with the herd you know right Um, right they would smell a doe every once in a while and she would hop around. But, um, so that was, that was basically the first four days. I did not see a buck running a doe, um, from the fourth to the eighth. Um, and then, then I found my first buck running a doe, I think on the ninth, it was a three by three real narrow. Um, but he was, he was pushing does and, so I actually, I hunted that deer like I would want to kill them, right? Because I'm like, I want to know what they're doing with the does, like what kind of, how big of an area these does are running this buck around in, um, you know, what they do when they fall in the drainages. So I basically hunt this buck like I'm going to kill him because um, he's pushing does and that's how I know I'm going to hunt, eventually hunt the buck that I am going to kill. Right. So, yeah, so I hunt this buck all over the mountain and uh, he ends up like pushing these does over this drainage and I hike around and actually end up finding them bedded down, like just staring at the does. They were on the other side and he's just keeping an eye on them. So I'm like, okay, cool. So these dudes will not leave these does at all. Even if, uh, you know, they all bed down, you'll just bed down somewhere near. So that was like the fifth day or whatever. And then ever since then, I've been seeing bucks rutting more and more. So two days ago I found, I went to a completely new spot and first thing in the morning, I glass up, I've seen like 10, 20 inch forking horns, no bullshit. That's all I've been finding. 
So first thing in the morning is a 20-inch fork and horn pushing her dough, just straight rutting her up the mountain. And I'm like, sweet. It's starting to kick off. I glass over to my left and find eight does with a nice four by four, you know, like 20 inches wide, just like a, I mean, he's a basic four by four for this unit. I think, you know, not a monster, but he's got four points on each side. So he's big enough for me. So I try to hunt him. Um, I see him at 800 yards when I first see him, he's got does, he pushes them over one side of the ridge and then the, so I lose them, but I'm still making my way over there. Then they come over. I'm basically glassing like where these deer go. And then here comes this doe hopping over another doe, another doe, and then the buck, you know? Um, so I get to this rock, I range the buck and he's still pushing these does along this ridge line. Um, he's 430 yards. And, uh, so I, I dial my turret in, I get, I get everything set up on my pack. I range him like five times. I go to lay down and put my scope where he was and he pushed the does over the other side of the ridge course um never saw him again so those were pretty much the first real hardcore running bucks that i saw and that was two days ago yeah so, so that's what today's a, uh that's just the 12th and when it kind of kicked off there yep so that was the 12th i hunted the same exact area the next day found four groups of does and no bucks running them so huh. uh yeah i know right so i was like all right so today i went back to my original spot that I haven't touched in five days that had 60 does in it. So I'm like, you know, if these bucks are running, there's gotta be new bucks in with those does. Cause I basically stared at the same five to seven bucks for four days. So I hunted that area. Um, and there was no rutting going on. Right. So I went back to that area today and found right at first slide. I found a fork and horn rutting this doe. Um, like a big fork and horn. I didn't know what he was. He was way up the mountain. It was dark. I just saw a buck running a doe. So I hauled ass up there. I get a few hundred yards from him. And then I could see, and it's a fork and horn, another big fork. And I was like, I just turn over to the other side of the ridge and within 10 seconds, pick up a group of does just running across the hillside. And I'm like, I know what that is. <laughs> and uh, sure enough, here's this four by four hauling ass after him. And, uh, that's the buck I ended up killing. Dude. So it was pretty fun. It kind of just got better every day. Kind of sounds like Christmas. Like every morning you kind of wake up excited. You don't know what it's, you're going to see. Oh, I'm pumped every day. Like that's, I know I talked to my dad and I was like, dude, I'm juiced every morning when I get up. Like you don't know what you're going to see. Like I'm pumped for my buddy to get here. Cause I mean, the rut is it's, it's on now. I mean, I killed this buck standing two feet behind a doe. Yep. I love it. So what are you going to do? When does your buddy get there? He flies in tomorrow. Okay. So it's game on. It's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So he's probably going to punch his tag here shortly. And then you guys just going to go to high country for elk. Yeah. I asked him, he, he's torn. I don't know which way we're going to do it. If we're going to go for elk first or for deer first. Um, I mean, you could pretty much, you could find deer where the elk are, but you're not really going to find elk where the deer are, you know? Um, well, like I'm hunting down low, pretty much I'm hunting does in the lowland, and the bucks are just coming to them where I would I go mean, get his deer tag punched and then pack up and head to the high country and go find some real nasty country where some of those bulls have retreated to. Yeah. I mean, that's what, 
that's what we're going to have to do. I don't know. After I'm not going to lie, dude. After doing that pack-in with a tent and no heater, and when it's 15 degrees, <laughs> dude, that shit was brutal. Yeah. Um, yeah, we didn't. I didn't have a heater or nothing. I just had like a little teepee tent. Um, so we do have all the stuff to pack in. And if he wants to go in, I'm going with him. Um, but it, I mean, we're probably going to be doing like some five mile morning hikes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, that country is nasty. And, uh, I've been, I've hunted over there a little bit in the big belts. It's really cool country and you can go deep. You really can. So you guys don't have stock, but, um, you got two guys, you know, go, go give her one last effort. Cause it's a long off season, which I wanted to kind of move into. What do you do fitness wise? Obviously you probably have a pretty physical job, but what are you doing to stay ready for the mountains year round? Uh, yeah, I mean, so I've pretty much been avid into fitness for, I mean, quite a while. So, I mean, pretty much during duck season, I am going to get fat and stronger, right? That's what I do during the wintertime, right? <laughs> duck season doesn't require you to be like right now I'm in good shape. Um, so I'll normally pretty much bulk up until what? I don't know, March. I'm trying to think. Yeah, probably March. And then I normally get to like 200 pounds. And then from then I actually like enjoy just bulking up and cutting, um, just i don't know the process of it so you're not just doing the same thing every single day um yeah just so maintaining the ebb same and weight. flow i get you yeah so i bulk up during the winter time i'll probably get to 200 pounds and then um by by summer june july and then august is archery um for deer i'm normally down to 170 175 and i'm during that transition i'm doing all basically like hit cardio you know high intensity interval um and i just lift weights i mean i don't do i don't do anything too crazy dude i do 20 30 minutes of cardio and then i do a weight session and i work out almost every day like you know the mountains dude you almost have to do it yeah there's a lot of specificity you know there's no way of getting around it um but you're you're just consistent right like you just bottom line you you're getting it done in the gym week in and week out moving the needle yeah. Yeah. Every day. Yeah. I go every day. So I don't do, I hit a hard cardio session and I lift weights and during the, like when I'm getting more lean and starting to do the mountains and stuff, I do way higher reps, like reps of, or sets with like 20 reps in them. I'm doing more lunges. Um, the kind of shit you do in the mountains, you know, when you're hiking up a steep, uh, like hillside, that's basically all lunges. Yeah. I just kind of focus it to that i don't do like necessarily like like a mountain training right i just work out hard and then eventually spend enough time in the mountains where i'm in decent enough shape to do what i'm doing yeah i don't either you know i don't understand this whole specificity periodization work towards the peak for the mountains whatever just happened to be like ready year round ready to rock and do what you got to do to have your general physical preparedness up. And then just you slap a pack on. Um, my, my, I'm building a program right now for January. And my wife was like, well, are you going to put in some backpacking stuff? And I was like, do you see me ruck or backpack at all? She's like, only when you're scouting. I'm like, and I scout a lot. But she's like, yeah, uh, I, 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 the gym's the gym, man. You can get a lot done there, I think, and uh, go from there. 
So when you're um, 175, what's the highest you get in the offseason weight-wise? 200. Okay. So you're probably pretty lean right now, just hiking all day, every day for the last month? Yeah, I'm I'm shriveled up pretty bad, dude. Like, I haven't touched a weight in a month, and I'm just hiking, especially out of this hotel. Like, I'm doing anywhere from seven to nine miles a day um, and quite a bit of elevation uh, change also. Yeah, no so, doubt. Yeah, I feel like, you know, just um, just I feel super small, but but I can, I can hike. <laughs> Homeboy can hike. So when you head home, you got your mule deer. Is it at the processor or is, are you going to drop it off somewhere to get processed? I actually already dropped it off. Okay, so you got that. And then you got to pick up your Wyoming deer. Where did you have it processed at? So they're getting shipped. So the deer I killed in Utah, I brought with me to Wyoming. Okay. And I dropped both deer off at the same butcher. Um, and they're going to ship them home to me when I get home. Right on. So you're and I'm going to pick... I'm going to pick this buck up. I had him rush it for five days. Um, so that way, whenever we get done hunting here in Montana with my buddy, I'll actually be able to just swing by and pick this buck up. Okay. So, you, And then you obviously already have your Cali mule deer broken down, ready to go. Did you butcher that yourself? No, I didn't. So the first deer I ever killed, which was, well, not the first deer, but last year, I consider that the first deer I killed, the, the uh, Montana muley. I butchered that deer myself and I literally butchered that deer. Um, <laughs> like, dude, I spent, I spent seven hours like breaking that deer dog. I mean, it was all quartered out. We got home and I butchered it in my garage. Right. And I spent seven hours butchering that thing. And like, I'm glad I did it. Cause I could appreciate when a butcher charges you 150 bucks to completely cut and wrap it. Like yeah. it just, like, I didn't mind doing it, but I mean, it was a long process. Yeah, no, and you get better, you get faster, but it still takes time. Um, it took me several hours to get that mule deer done just last week. Um, I want to talk about everything you're doing is expensive, man. You don't have a wife and kids. You have a house. Uh, you have a good job. How long have you been on this war path to get debt free, and where are you at? How did it start? I wanted to end this podcast. Really, I wanted to make time for this, Steve, because I think it's really important and it's inspirational. So kind of give us your breakdown of how it's going. Uh, all right. So I think of like maybe three and a half, four years ago. Um, I mean, like work's cool, dude. I have a cool job. I enjoy it. Um, but like, I don't know. I would just get to work. I'm like, uh, like I have you know, 35 more years here, you know, I'm like, why do I need to make this much money for 35 years? Like, what am I going to do with that much money? You know? So, um, so I started like trying to figure something out. Right. And I'm like, my bills aren't expensive. They're way less now because I got rid of my debt, except my house. Um, so basically I had to figure out, I just knew I did not want to work for, an employer forever. Yeah. Right. At, yeah. at least not 30 more years. Like it does not sound appealing at all. As much as I like my job, it just, it didn't sound appealing. So I was like, all right, let's figure something out. So I started reading some books. Um, and I read a book called your money or your life. Um, I don't know if you read that one, but it's a good book. Um, so I read that book and that book is what led me to getting rid of all my debt. Right. So I sold my super fancy truck um, and I bought 
I basically bought just like a baseline truck of that, that version, right? I had like a fully loaded Toyota Tundra and I sold it. And then I bought just a basic Toyota Tundra. So I sold it for 40 grand and I bought a basic truck for 20 grand. Yep. Um, so I had, I actually had to save up to pay that truck off before I sold it just yeah. cause it's easier that way. Right. So yep. I had to save up, pay that truck off, sell it. I bought this truck. Um, I had to save up and pay off a 401k loan that I pulled out like a dumbass when I was like 22 for something. Yeah. You were something. 22. Yep. Yeah. Something unnecessary, I'm sure. So I paid that off. Um, but other than that, I never really had debt. Um, like my parents, they would, they got me a credit card when I was young and they said, don't put anything on here. You can't actually pay for like, it's just to build your credit. Right. Um, it's not really a, a bank account, you know, don't pile money into this credit card that you can't actually pay. So I never had that mentality. Everything I've pretty much had, I bought anyways, uh, luckily. So yeah, so I get rid of that truck. I buy a basic truck, um, get rid of all kinds of unnecessary. Sh- I never watched TV. So I got rid of my cable, all kinds of just random bills. Like if you just pull up your monthly bills, you'll probably have a decent amount of stuff on there that you don't really utilize and a hundred bucks a month. That, I mean, that adds up quick. Yeah. That's, that's a deer and elk tag. Yeah, it so, is. Um, I got rid of, so I did all that and then I needed to figure out, so I just got rid of debt and started saving. I didn't have a plan or anything. Right. So, um, then I read another book called the simple path to wealth, which was just basic investing really. I kind of knew I didn't want to get into um, like real estate because I don't like people and I don't want them living in my shit. Yep. So yep. I was like, I'm, I know that's probably a good path, but it's not for me. Yep. Um, so I started looking into investing and read this book and they laid it out pretty cut and dry that just um, index funds is just a pretty consistent way to make money. And um, once you have enough saved up, you can live off the interest from it. So that's what I'm working towards. So, you know, and the lower you can get your bills, the less lump sum you need saved up, you know, providing you just that money. So it's kind of like a, it's a slow process, but it works for me, dude. It's cut and dry. I put a set amount in there, um, every month. And just until I got enough to stop working, I'll just work for myself. I mean, I I don't want to retire and sit on my ass. I just don't want to work for somebody. Yeah. And Um, I respect that. And you're only 29. You're doing really good just to kind of get some of those really good books in front of you. I haven't read either of those, by the way, but I get the gist and the principle. And I think, man, you're doing some really good things. And I know you want to pay your house off. What do you think it's going to take? What's the D-Day for that? So I actually would like to pay my house off, but it's not the best actual investment for the money once you have it saved up. Oh, definitely. Um, Talk to my financial advisor. He hates me. He's like, man, you could be investing all that money that you're trying, because I'm trying to, I'm warpathing that last house that I'm in right now. Yeah. You could be investing and I'm just like, I don't give an actual F. I'm paying this house off. And he's just like, no, don't do that. And I was just like, well, I'm doing it. And uh, that's where we stand on that. Yeah. So he, he's right. <laughs> but, uh, so I'm basically following his advice. I do. I would like to have my house paid off. I just know that. So say my interest is a thousand bucks a month, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's 
Well, it's a, it's a write-off also, so you're basically 12000 and then 33% of that you get back, right? So it's like costing you $9,000 a year to live in your house, right? So, because the rest of it's going towards your equity anyways. Correct. Right? So then if you, if you got, if you owe 300 grand on your house and you save up 300 grand, that 300 grand could be making you, you know, 20,000 a year if it's invested as opposed to paying your house off and just saving you 9,000. Um, but I do hate throwing money in the garbage, which is what paying interest on your house is. Yeah, I could, I can't stand it. I did a huge lump sum towards our principal recently, uh, just kind of working things, moving things around. And I think our, we were doing, gosh, I wish I had the numbers right in front of me, basically about $900 a month in interest. And uh-huh. with a hundred G's towards principal, it went down to four fifty a month that the bank. Oh, so you getting. refinanced it? No. I just straight up wrote a check to the principal because I have a bunch of things lined up that's gonna happen over the next basically over the next year and a half to two to where uh-huh. just gonna pay it off. I didn't want to recast my loan, I didn't want to refinance, I didn't want any fees, just gonna crush that and then um yeah we we've done the math man our overhead's gonna go way down it already has i mean we don't have truck payments wife drives a tundra i drive a tacoma we we've always just paid cash for everything um a long time ago we got we started when we were young about your age and dude i don't know any 29 year olds on your level and what's scary is there's not a lot of 38 year olds who who are doing what i'm doing it's just you're living a different way and I'll tell you what, it's weird, Steve, is I've never made a lot of money since I was started my own business, like 27 on. I made way more money in my early 20s than I do now. But you don't need to make a lot of money once you start paying things off. And I think I agree with that first book. Like, I want life, not money. And for me, that's autonomy and time. Look at you, man. You're gone for a month and you hunted four states and you're still making really wise moves. Like, I'm pumped for you. You you have a bright future, brother. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just, uh, I don't know. Something clicked in my mind, and then it just, it happened at the right time. Like, I had a good job. I mean, I still do. I still work there. But, yeah, like you said, once you get your base, once you get your baseline down, you don't need that much money. I mean, like, I make way more than my, my base um, expenses, right? So, like, I don't know, man. I'm in a good position to just to save money, but also do cool stuff. So for the first two years, I was just saving and investing, saving and investing. And I mean, that, that got kind of old, like it's borderline stressful. So this year I actually cut back a little bit, you know, I'm like, okay, if I invest 10 less grand, right, I'll spend that like this, taking a month off, buying all these deer tags. And if I do that every year and it takes me, you know, two years or one more year to save up, like, is that going to kill me as opposed to doing something like this every year? So that's kind of more where I'm at now, not the full blown. Um, yes. Yeah. You don't have to be psycho. I mean, and you're 29, you're in your prime, man. You need to tear it up and you're not married. Like you really need to tear it up in those mountains and get after it. You don't have anything to answer to, but it's enjoy it. Soak it up, man. And, uh, moving forward like where do you see yourself when you're my age now so you're 30 say you're 38 
Are you married by then? Do you have kids by then? Are you still a welder? Or have you started your own business? Do you, can you see that far down the road? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, that's where I'm looking. Um, yeah, I would like to, I wanted to be out of my current job at 35, but I mean, if I got to stick around a little bit, it's, it's not going to kill me. Um, it basically all depends on that lump sum that I get saved up. Right. Yeah. As soon as I have enough money saved up that covers my base bills, um, where the, where the investment income covers my base bills, then it's going to be like, you know, just I'll decide, um, for sure. If I want to move out of California, I'd plan totally on moving out of California. Oh, for um, real? Because you damn near have to work five extra years just to save up enough to live in California. Um, but like with the, but then when you take a month off, you know, and you go hunt all over the place, that's the last thing on your mind. Like, I mean, I haven't even thought about it because I'm having a blast. So if I go back there and it's not that big of a deal, you know, whatever, but yeah, I either, I thought about wanting to move out of California before I started a family because I really didn't want to raise a family there. I couldn't imagine my kids. I mean, I, I almost want to say I got lucky in the job that I have, you know, being able to actually buy a house there. Um, and just, I mean, afford to live there and move out of my parents' house. I couldn't imagine, you know, in 20 or 25 years when my kids are that age, them trying to afford to move out, you know, um, so I'm kind of torn on where I actually want to end up living, but I definitely want to have my own business and just welding like part-time. Basically I want my investments to cover my base expenses. And then I want my job that I, I'll probably just weld. Like I want to do more like a uh, fabrication, like ranch welding, get to know more people. I mean, I could always jump on a pipeline or just do pipe welding in a refinery or something and make a shitload of money, but that's not really what I want to do. Um, so I want to just have like just my own little business. I don't know, making like 40 grand a year to pay for all the fun stuff I like doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. That sounds good. Now have, what's your, what's your radar telling you as far as potential hotspots to move once, if you did, you know, up and root out of California. Uh, so I was thinking about Montana, um, because of the tag allocation, you can hit, you can get bear, deer, elk, and antelope every single year and hunt mule deer in the rut every year. So I like that. Um, but I mean, I really don't know, dude, Utah was cool. Utah was super cool. Um, I hung out with the dudes. I met some dudes while I was hunting there, hung out with them a few days, um, in the Salt Lake area. And then I hunted with a couple of dudes, um, and they were super cool too. Um, but I really don't know, dude, I'm definitely staying Western. I'm definitely staying West. Like I love my family and my friends and stuff. So I'm not going to move across, you know, the country. I want to be, I don't know, maybe 12, 15 hour drive from home. Yeah. Um, yep. but yeah, I've been looking hard pretty much all the Western States, dude, Montana, Colorado, uh, not so much Oregon. Wyoming is pretty bleak there. I spent, you know, a few days there. I was like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like the mountains, you know, um, and Arizona, like Northern Arizona looked pretty cool. It's pretty appealing, but I really have no clue. Um, yeah. Right. That'll well, be a big, a big step. Yeah. No, it's just fun to talk about and see what you're thinking and, um, just getting to know you, man. Like that is like why I can't, I pinch myself. Like 
I just get really cool people on here and hang out and talk and get to know them. And dude, that my contact list is growing in my phone. I got all these friends now that I've, you know, I get to dedicate an hour and talk and it's so cool. And I appreciate you coming on, man. And um, I think you guys are going to crush the mule deer in the next couple of days and maybe you'll get on an elk too. That would be really cool. But where can people find you out there on um, socials or, you know, keep tabs on your fun adventures? Uh, I just have Instagram. Um, and it's, uh, it's just Steve Evans. It's, I, I think it's double underscore Steve, double underscore Evans or Steve, double underscore Evans, double underscore. I don't know. I'll post it just, on the show notes y'all. So you can just yeah, click just, on it. It's just my name and that's all I have. Um, yeah, I don't have Facebook. I got tired of seeing people's opinions on there. I was like, this ain't for me. Instagram's cool. Cause you only see the shit you want to see. Yeah. Yeah. I like IG a lot more than uh, that Facebook thing. Okay. So from here, do you have an idea what 2020 is going to look like as far as elk hunting goes? This is the elk shape podcast. Oh dude. So I actually don't. So my, uh, my buddy that's flying in tomorrow, he wants to start hitting other States, um, just to check them out. So I I pretty much told him I'm down for whatever. Like I don't care, dude. I just, I just want to go hunting. So um, he's going to look into Idaho, getting some Idaho elk tags. Um, well, we're, it's kind of tough next year. The three of us that hunted here in Montana, we're all going on a caribou hunt. And that is September 3rd through the 9th. Um, so they both have wives. My buddy that's flying in tomorrow has two young boys. And then my third buddy is wife is pregnant with a boy. So I think they're in a little bit tougher scenario caribou hunting the third through the ninth and then heading up you know to chase elk right afterwards um so i don't know what next year has in store but i will be elk hunting somewhere right on man well i know you'll do your homework and gosh i think uh it's kind of fun that's part of the the off-season deal is figuring that out oh yeah dude it's it's cool you just showed us all it really pays to do your homework in the off season. You can really put together some pretty, you can string together a really fun season. For me, I try to like work on kind of spreading it out through from August to December. I can't be gone all the time with two little ones, but I kind of have to spread my hunts out, give each hunt its due diligence and planning and everybody's different, you know, but it starts when you get back. That's right. So yeah, how does that work? Um, you know, with your wife and two boys and hunting. Yeah, I so mean, you hunt a decent amount. No, I hunt more than the the average guy. Let's let's not get it twisted. But I do think I try to like cut out things that I used to do for. I used to be a shed hunting maniac. I don't shed hunt that much anymore. And if I do, I take the family. So like last year, we did go shed hunting. We went to my buddy's place down in the southwest, and we shed hunted for three or four days scooped up a ton of brown and that I got my fix and that was it. Like I didn't waste family time shed hunting. Bear that hunting, would be something pretty fun to do with the kids is. and stuff anyways. And, and yeah. the older they get, I think the more, but I got long, you know, I got a little girl and a little boy. So we, we're out of diapers, but uh, it's still, it's still a lot of work. So I, and then I just try to always kind of, I used to mule deer hunt quite a bit in August. I love bow hunting mule deer. I don't think a lot of people know that, but I just, I'm, I got a lot of reps in the mountains there. I don't do that much. I kind of switched to antelope hunting. It's a little bit more, um, get in and get out, get home, like the real short bursts for antelope. And then September is pretty much set in stone. 
um, that I'm not going to be here. And mm -hmm. so as many states as possible, as many tags, I will try to do all that. And then uh, October, I try to go do one little hunt in October. And then November kind of ramps up again. I get into mule deer and whitetail especially. So, um, And my whitetail seasons can go into December in a lot of places too. So, uh, But once December, mid-December, I'm pretty much done and need to chill out. Um, have you tried mountain lion hunting yet? I have not. I got a good outfitter. Cool. I got a good outfitter if you want to go. This guy's yeah, pretty... I I only haven't done it because it is expensive. I mean, it's like 5,000 bucks. Um, it's not cheap. And for me, it was a one and done. Um, and I'm not like the outfitter guy. I'm not really into hiring outfitters at all. Uh, this nah. dude's cool though. Um, I worked a deal with him. I don't think anyone could get a deal like I got where I was like, he lives two hours away. And I was like, I will pay you a day rate and you can call me anytime you don't have a client and it snowed and you're on fresh tracks and you're like, gosh, I wish I had a, someone... You know, he'll, cause he'll let his dogs loose. Most hounds will let their dogs loose just to keep them working. I'm like, oh yeah, they'll hunt them anyways. Yeah. Just call me and I will drop everything and I'll pay you a day rate. And that's how I did it. But he is expensive, but he will let you come back as many times as you want until you kill the right lion. Oh, that's so, cool. And that was all, that's all over dogs. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's yes. how I, I hunted my, I, I killed a bear over dogs. Um, and that was intense. Um, those dogs are, they're pretty unreal. So I could imagine mountain lion hunting would be pretty badass too. Well, in 13, 2013, I was in California or was it 2012? I don't remember one of those two years and I was slated to go. Um, I was doing a, a hunt in the Trinity Alps for blacktail and this outfitter guy had dogs and he was like, when you're done, I'll, you know, I'll take you out for a day or two and we'll get you a bear with dogs. And I've been dying to do that. And right before the hunt, like California banned hound hunting literally yeah. like days before my hunt. And that was the closest I ever got to it. So I am jealous, man. I think that'll be yeah. I, watching those dogs work. It's just unreal. And it's fun to get close to bears and you can be really particular with hounds and, uh, yeah, it's no gimme. You're going to earn it. No, yeah, it was, I mean, the, they don't just run up a tree. I mean, we were put, putting in miles every day chasing the dogs. Yeah, it, and now we have bears everywhere because you can't kill them. <laughs> like, Your bear population's out of control. So is Washington State. It's just insane. Yeah, know. dude. Well, I say that, but I couldn't kill a bear this year. So, <laughs> you, How many bear tags can you get in California? Um, I'd be lying if I told you. I know that I have one. Okay, uh, it probably just, is can... one. They're probably stingy, but yeah. do you guys have a spring, uh, spring bear season? I doubt it. I don't believe so. Yeah, I would I'm doubt it. I'm not for sure, dude. I have not. Like, this is only my second year big game hunting. I don't know. I just know how to buy tags and go hunt a lot, so I'm still learning. That's um, kind of the main formula. That's all you need, Steve, so that's good. Well, hey, I won't keep you, man. Um, congrats on your success today. I'll put a link on to for folks to follow you on Instagram, and I hope to meet you in person um, if you're ever my way. Where do you live? Up. I'm in Spokane. Oh, okay, cool. I'm sure I'll be up there at some point in time hunting something. You're good. We'll come on by and we'll we'll get a workout in and uh, go shoot our bow. So, um, oh yeah. Thanks for coming on, man. And uh, guys, don't forget this is this is uh, episode 101. So if you like this podcast, if you're into it, do me a solid. You got to do the whole iTunes review thing. Give me a five-star review if you would, if you believe that. And uh, 
Keep working on your small goals that lead to the big goals. Stay focused, stay disciplined, delayed gratification, leverage outcoming, and uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Take care, Steve. All right, Dan. Good talking to you, man. All right, man. Peace. Hey, Elk Hunters. Corey Jacobson here from Elk101.com. And if you're like me, you're probably thinking about elk hunting every day of the year and working continually to maximize your chances for success this fall. Well, Dan and I have created a special opportunity for you that I feel will absolutely take you to the next level in elk hunting, regardless of your previous experience. Three years ago, I created the University of Elk Hunting online course with one goal in mind, to make you a more successful elk hunter. The UEH online course contains 45 chapters of detailed elk hunting information organized into 17 modules and covering every imaginable elk hunting topic from planning and scouting to calling tactics and tracking and every topic in between the university of elk hunting online course is the most comprehensive and complete resource available to elk hunters and for listeners of the elk shape podcast dan and i have teamed up to offer you a 20 percent discount when you sign up simply go to elk101.com click the link to the online course and use the code ElkShape, all one word when you check out you owe it to yourself to invest in the single most lethal weapon that you take to the elk woods each fall. Invest in you. Sign up for the University of Elk Hunting online course and elevate your elk hunting success today. All right, guys, that's a wrap. So, Steve, great job. I just want to update everybody after the show. Got a text from him. He and his buddy were able to get another mule deer for his buddy that flew in and they also successfully punched his buddy's elk tag late season rifle all in a five day span so those guys really got after it congrats on the first elk to your friend and a couple notes from the show we talked about finances there i divulge personal information because i'm an open book and if you're wondering did he say he wrote a check for a hundred thousand dollars towards his principal i did and what I did is I dissolved my partnership in 2013 with the business and was basically the only operator from 2013 to 2019. So five and a half years, I saved $1,600 a month through the business. And once I sold the business, I had $100,000 in the operating account and I was still never taking a K-1, no, no bonuses, nothing. Just kept my salary the same, stayed disciplined with that money. Uh, still managed to buy and upgrade equipment and invest back into the business constantly, but I was disciplined on putting away that figure. And by the time we sold the gym, we had 100K and we utilized that towards our principal. I don't give financial advice. I'm not a financial expert. Obviously, I'm dumb and I'm trying to pay my house off when I could be investing and maybe getting an 8 to 12% return on that money. Don't care because by the time I'm 40, I will have no mortgages and I'm burning down the ships. I'm on a war path to have zero, I mean zero debt and just need to worry about making enough to support this habit of elk hunting and raise two kids and keep my wife full of joy. So that's why I listed all that. And we talk about finances quite a bit at Elk Shape Camps. We bring in a hunting financial advisor. He shows up at these camps and we carve out a couple hours for each athlete to sit down and go through their hunting budget and their plan, their communication with their spouse or significant other, how they're saving monthly and how they're working towards crushing debt because it's that freaking important to me and it's a part of what we do here at Elk Shape. So thought I would just share that. 
Thanks for listening. I appreciate you all. Have the best week ever. We'll catch you next week. Take care.